0: The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Welcome to Know Your Bible. Glad you've come back this week to study the Bible a little bit more. And if you're a first time viewer, let me tell you what we do here is we study the Bible and hopefully at the end of a half hour, you know a little bit more about your Bible. Uh, we do that by answering questions Uh, some religious TV shows tell you what they think you ought to know or think what you or tell you what you they think you need to know Uh, we ask you what you'd like to know so that's the difference here there's a phone number and a website at the bottom of the screen you can use those anytime Uh, whatever you wonder about the Bible something you've always thought well that's kind of odd I wonder if that really means that or maybe it's a current event or a life topic that you wonder what the bible has to say Uh, call that in or log on and give it to us through the website and we'll get an answer for you that's what we do here when i say we i say toby levering and me hi toby good morning steve toby's back and ready studied up and ready to go i'm steve tandy and we're going to try to answer as many as we can but we always get yours first so here's your viewer question for the day Uh, who was joseph's first owner in egypt he was sold into slavery and who was the first person to buy him in egypt and we'll give you the answer to that at the end of the program see if you know a little bible all right i've got an interesting question the viewer says i know someone who's caught up in the flat earth movement Uh, he says the bible proves it what is your take on this well, I know that there are some people who still profess that uh, the Bible's flat and uh, not uh, not a globe. Uh, what's my take on this? Well, personally, I think it's a little odd with all of the scientific things we have these days and the pictures from space and and all of that. Uh, I mean, I can very well understand how the ancients thought the world was flat. I mean, it looks flat especially if you're from Kansas. Uh, Western Kansas would probably be good candidates for the Flat Earth Society. Uh, So I think it's a little odd today, but it doesn't bother me a whole lot. There's a whole lot of people that are are saved and in heaven who thought the Earth was flat. Uh, I'm sure Abraham and David thought the Earth was flat. Uh, And I'm not sure that's essential. I'm sure it's not essential uh, to being right with God. But if you were asked, what's the Bible say about that? Or this person claims that the Bible proves it. Uh, The Bible does say a few things that sound like the earth is flat, uh, but it also says some things that Pretty well prove it isn't. So let me just show you two verses, and maybe that will help our viewer understand. Uh, Revelation 7-1 says this uh, in John's vision. He says, after this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth. Okay, well, that was the only verse we had in the Bible about the earth. They say, well, that proves it. there's four corners. It's got to be square and flat, or maybe it's rectangular and flat, I guess, but uh, it's flat. Uh, That's not the only verse we have about the shape of the earth. Here's one in Isaiah 40 and verse 22. Speaking of God, it is he who sits above the circle of the earth. All right, well, it can't be, can't have four corners and be a circle. So uh, one of them is symbolic and one of them is literal. Uh, And from all the scientific evidence we have, I think it's pretty clear that the earth is a circle Uh, but what's my take on it i wouldn't worry about it a whole lot i think it's a a kind of a foolish waste of time to try to prove the earth earth is flat but somebody wants to believe that it's fine with me i guess (laughs) all right toby
1: well you get the the fun ones and well i get it this is a little harder question not hard but just it's a deeper why is the church so against abortion when the scripture says that life begins with your first breath well well, does it really say that uh... it it is interesting the number of people who swear that the bible says something and uh... well when you look real closely it it doesn't exactly say that like bible does not say that life begins at first breath it says that Adam came to life uh, when God breathed into him. In fact, I'm just going to read this. This won't be on your screen, but if you care to follow along, Genesis 2-7. Then the Lord formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. That's the only uh, place we have in Scripture. And obviously that was a very unique event. Adam was not being formed in the womb like the rest of humanity. Uh, and uh, you know all women are not created from the ribs of men like Eve was. These are unique and very exceptional circumstances. And God breathed into him. And that's where life uh, came from in that instance. Uh, the author... Of Genesis is not telling us when life begins uh, for every human being. He's describing in good detail uh, how the creation of human beings, of the very first human beings, Adam and Eve, began. The Bible teaches that God created human beings and that we are made in His image. Let's look at a verse that is on the screen, Genesis 1, 27. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. Now, this is why the church is against abortion, because we believe, just as the scripture says, that all human beings... Me and you, and every human being living and that has ever lived, is created uniquely by God in the image of God. And we, I mean, when, when abortion was legalized in this country, there, there was very little understanding about what happened in the womb from a medical perspective, although I, th- I think most people knew. Uh, but there is no doubt now that there is life inside the womb i mean uh, a baby in the womb has brain activity has a beating heart is able to hear and move and and suck its thumb uh, and if you've ever been pregnant with a child I, I don't know how you could even have any doubt that there is life that is growing inside the womb and we believe of course that life begins when God began the creation process. Psalm 139, verses 13 and following says, For you formed my inward parts. You, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, and for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Um, abortion is a terrible thing. It's the murder of an innocent life created by God and created in God's image. And um, we should always stand up for the innocent, and those uh, are all human beings made in God's image. So that's why the church is against abortion, and we should pay attention to all of Scripture, not just the verses we like to to cherry-pick that support what we may think.
0: All right, we've got a verse mentioned, a uh, famous one for people who want to prove there is no God or question God or prove how mean and uh, unloving God is. It's Exodus 20 and verse 5 and this viewer says explain that. It says God punishes children for their parents' sin. Well let's just read the verse and make sure we know what it says and it does say I the Lord your God am a jealous God punishing the children for the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Now, leave that up there just for a second and make sure you read those last two words. Uh, this is a promise or a, a warning about those who hate God. All right, now let's see if we can understand it. And I'll admit, that sounds real bad. Uh, a father does something wrong and God's going to punish uh, their great-grandchildren for what they did wrong? That doesn't sound very loving. It uh, doesn't even sound fair, does it? Well take the whole verse remember the part about hate me and then read some context around it and he's talking about idolatry he's talking about when his people go astray and start worshiping idols instead of Jehovah God and what he says is you know that's going to cause problems for a long time and that's what happens when a generation turns away from God and begins to worship idols uh, we read the Old Testament story and it happens over and over uh, it takes a few generations before things get so bad that they turn back to God uh, the children tend to follow the sins of their fathers and they suffer the consequences of a father's sin or two different ways to look at it so uh, when a generation turns to idolatry Uh, in general it took three or four generations before that got corrected. Uh, God's saying that's just the way it is. Now another way to look at this is uh, we know today if a father sins children suffer the consequences. Uh, If great granddad gambled away the family fortune you're liable to be poor, <laughs> uh, poorer than you would have been if great granddad hadn't gambled away the fortune. And we know it's even more uh, prevalent in closer generations. So a couple of ways to look at it. But we've got to take the whole Bible, balance the whole Bible, and the Bible clearly says that God does not punish children for the sins of their fathers. Let's read that verse and we'll understand it. That's in Ezekiel eighteen twenty, And God said, The soul who sins is the one who will die. The son will not share the guilt of the father, nor will the father share the guilt of the son. The righteousness of the righteous man will be credited to him, and the wickedness of the wicked will be charged to him. Okay, read that second sentence there. The son will not share the guilt of of the father. Now we know in real life sometimes sons share the consequences of their father's sin, but they don't share the guilt of it. Uh, they're not being punished as guilty. Uh, they're just living out the reality of life and the consequences. So hopefully that helped you understand that verse and uh, makes a little sense of it. Let me take just a moment and talk about a good way to study the whole Bible. We study a few verses with you each week, but uh, there's a whole lot more in the Bible than we'll ever get to here. So we offer some uh, Bible study tools that we think are great ways to learn more about your Bible. We've got some courses that are printed and we'll send you in in the mail. Here's the first course. There's eight lessons in it. It gives you a good overview of the Bible. Then we've got some more advanced courses that... Uh, Get into the life of Christ and the book of Acts and a few other things that give you a real detailed look at parts of the Bible. And we've recently added some online courses that uh, we think are proving popular and a good way to study the Bible without waiting for the mail and filling out paper. Uh, Oneway.worldbibleschool.org will get you hooked up with that. And uh, you can do courses online and learn a whole lot of bible real quickly so if you're interested in any of those uh, use the phone number the website or the online website and we'll get you started studying the bible all right toby what's your viewer after here we Have
1: a question about baptism and mm-hmm. want to know what requirements are there for baptism well uh, anyone who's wanting to be baptized it's not a very complicated process, and it, it's very simple scripturally. Uh, when you look at the Bible, um, I, I think the first thing is you've got to understand s- your sin, that you, you are a sinner, that your sin separates you from God. Um, understanding your sin and, and the consequences of it eternally uh, should is probably the place where we begin. And that leads us to, well, what do we do about it? And and then we will take hold of Jesus and, and believe in Him, believe that He is who He said He was, and believe that He uh, is the Son of God and that He died for our sins and that He rose from the grave. Uh, then we need to turn away from sin. The Bible word for that is repent, um, meaning that you can't just say, well, I know I'm a sinner, but I know Jesus took care of my sins, so I'm just going to keep on sinning. Uh, Paul had, Paul had very uh, severe words for that. He said, "God forbid that we ever think that way." So we we turn away in our hearts. Not that we become perfect, but we say, "I don't, I don't want to do the things that are displeasing to God." Um, and then. The only other thing that I know is you have to profess with your mouth that you believe Jesus is the Son of God. Uh, the Scripture is very clear on that. and If you want biblical uh foundations for what I just told you, and I hope that you do. Uh I would encourage you to read Mark 16, 16. And Jesus said, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, in response to his powerful sermon about Jesus to a crowd that had just days ago uh, called for the crucifi uh, crucifixion of the Son of God. And they said, Oh man, what do we do? And Peter said, Repent and be baptized, uh, every one of you, uh, the, for the forgiveness of your sins, and and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promises for you and for your children and for all who are far away. And uh, and then Romans chapter six is is a wonderful chapter which reminds us that if we've been buried with Christ uh, in baptism, that we'll be raised with Christ, just as He was raised from the grave. So some scriptures you can read, but I guess of all those things. The number one requirement for someone wanting to be baptized is you have to want to do it. You have to be ready in your heart, and and if you are, my question for you is is the same question that was asked in Scripture uh, of of Paul, uh, Acts chapter twenty two verse sixteen. And now, uh, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on His name. So the requirements are very few. But um, anyone can do it if they are ready and know what they need to do. So if that's you, I'll encourage you to do that. And if you don't know how to do that, call the 800 number and we'll connect you with a church that can help you with that.
0: All right. A good explanation. And I put this question next because somebody might think of this question yes. after you sure. discussed baptism. Uh, one viewer did one time ask us, can you baptize yourself uh, And my answer to that is there's no example of that in the Bible. Uh, We're never told of someone baptizing themselves. So we can either find a scripture that says something about it, or we can do the game of hypotheticals, uh, which we don't like to play on this show, but sometimes people do get to thinking, well, what if? Uh, So I'll play that game for a little while, and I'll admit that, if you're marooned on a desert island and if you happen to have a bible with you and if you read the bible and decided well i need to be baptized to get right with the lord and there's nobody else around uh, then i would say well it's better that you baptize yourself than not Uh, it's a matter of the heart and god god understands what's in your heart and you obeying in that way would be understood by him i think Uh, so if we play the hypothetical game i guess my answer is yeah you could if that's the only option Uh, but that has nothing to do with is that a preferred method Uh, because you understand when you think about the purpose of baptism uh, the purpose is not just to immerse yourself in water Uh, the purpose is a witness it's a proclamation of your faith and it's not a witness if no one else sees it so if you're really committing your life to Christ, if you're really uh, saying that you want to follow him as Lord, then somebody needs to see that Uh, you need to be making that confession that public witness to somebody Uh, why would you keep it secret unless that's the absolute only option and you're on that hypothetical item uh... it's better in fact the more people you share it with i know some people are nervous about crowds and don't want to do something in front of people and, and we understand that but the witness part of it uh, is to share with others that have hey, made this decision and i want you to help me in my christian walk so uh, while we could say, well, you could if the situation existed. It's certainly not the preferred way. It's not what baptism is about. Uh, And I would recommend that if you want to be baptized, that you find somebody that maybe showed you the way to Christ, someone you respect, uh, someone that helped you find Christ, Ask them to baptize you, uh, or a a minister or counselor or somebody that you're close to, uh, maybe a family member would be symbolic and help you understand what you're doing. So uh, find someone to baptize you uh, would be much preferred over baptizing yourself. All right, let me take this moment and invite you to visit the Church of Christ near you. We're uh, put on the air by Churches of Christ and sponsored by them. A lot of congregations help us uh, stay on the air, and we like to mention some each week and thank them. Uh, Here's a couple in central Kansas, the Sylvia Congregation and the Isabel Church. Uh, If you live in either one of those towns in Kansas, uh, they support the program, and we thank them for that. Uh, Maybe you know somebody that attends church in Sylvia or Isabel. Uh, If you see them at work or school or whatever, tell them, Hey, I saw you guys mentioned on Know Your Bible the other day, and I watched that program and I enjoy it. Appreciate you helping that stay on the air. Of course, if you're searching for a church home, uh, either one of those congregations or any church of Christ, you'd be warmly welcomed. Uh, you would tried a group of people that think and study about the Bible a whole lot like we do here on this program. So drop in and give them a visit and tell them you heard about them on Know Your Bible. Tell me what's your viewer want to know yeah, here? A question
1: about the afterlife and how it works. The uh, question is, when a believer dies and an unbeliever dies, where do each of them go? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us a whole lot, nor does it give us a a lot of detail about the afterlife experience. So our understanding of that is based on, it's kind of like, I guess, looking through a peephole in the the door. You can look through and you kind of just get a limited picture of what is on the other side. Um, So our main source of that small picture is from a description that Jesus himself gave in Luke chapter 16 verse 19 and following and he talks about uh, two men a rich man and Lazarus and one of them uh, basically they both there was two different places that they went uh, I'll sum up that but basically uh, there's the afterlife, the, what is called Hades, and the Hebrew is called Sheol, and it was basically meant a realm of the dead. And, and in the realm of the dead, there seemed to be two sides to that. On one side is paradise, or as is described in Luke 16, Abraham's side. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a place of comfort, it's a place of peace, and uh, it sounds very good. The second side is a place of torment, also called Tartarus. Uh, And those who are in Christ, who are safe in Christ, uh, when they die, they will go to paradise, to Abraham's side. Uh, And there await heaven uh, at the uh, eternal judgment. Those who are not in Christ will go to the place of torment. That was where the rich man went. It was so bad, he begged for someone just to touch a few drops of water to his tongue. He begged to send someone back to warn his brothers. Uh, He begged, but his condition could not be changed. So if you want to think of it just as a waiting place for the dead uh, as they await for judgment, but but from all... our understanding: their destination is final; it's secure, and it cannot be changed at that point. Um, so, that's kind of our understanding of it. And uh, I'll hopefully that will help you understand it just a little better, a little bit better. Uh, Hebrews chapter nine, verse twenty-seven, the verse on the screen: it, "Just as it is appointed for man to die once." and after that comes the judgment so although we don't know exactly what happens after death uh, we definitely
0: want to be prepared for death
1: and I hope that's helpful to you
0: alrighty a question about where to start on reading the Bible friend wants to know which book of the Bible to read first well there's 66 options uh, some of them are a lot more interesting than others and some of them are more applicable to today I'm sure everybody's got their favorite one that has read the Bible or much of it. Uh, my recommendation to somebody that doesn't know anything about the Bible and is just getting started, uh, I'd start with Luke and then I'd go to Acts. Uh, the reason is because the, Luke wrote both books. Uh, the first one was about the life of Jesus. It's one of the four Gospels that tells the life of Jesus. And then the second one was the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, we call it. And it talks about the beginning of the church after Jesus went back to heaven, uh, how Christianity spread. So right there in those two little books, you've got a real good uh, basic foundation of Christianity. Who Jesus was, how what he taught, how he died and then what happened after that in the next few years and how christianity spread Uh, the other reason to read those is luke's a real good author he's very solid and historic and accurate uh luke and acts is what i'd recommend but Read the Bible. Whatever you're, whatever you're reading, read it. All right, totally. a good recommendation. Got another one here. All right,
1: uh, this question is: Is it a sin for people to wear clothing of the opposite sex? Well, it de- I, I think it depends on how you're wearing it. We won't find a verse that says specifically um, in, in one sense of wearing. It. Okay, the, the two extremes that I think of it as: one is it's just For fun, just being silly, somebody dresses up in a in a in a a drama or a play or something like that, and they're just playing a part, or just everybody's kind of uh, laughing along. I don't personally see that as a problem or a sin. Uh, The and the Bible doesn't have uh, anything to say at all specifically about that. Now it does address people who dress. Uh, in a way that says, I want you to identify me in a different way than I am. And that is dangerous. That's, that's going, you know, here's, God created you as male and you say, I want to identify as female or vice versa. Um, that's the, the second way is, is the second instance, the second extreme is uh, problematic, uh, on a number of levels. So. There's not a lot of verses in that. Deuteronomy 22:5 is the one that I mentioned that kind of talks about men dressing up as women and and uh, all of that. But the, the the principle of it is trying to be different than who God created you to be. So let's read Matthew chapter 19, verse 4. Jesus answered, "Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female?" So think about it like that, and hope that helps you.
0: All righty, let's make sure we get our trivia question answered today and talk about Joseph in the Old Testament, who bought him when he first got to Egypt. And that was the famous Potiphar, captain of the palace guard. I guess Potiphar's wife is more famous than Potiphar is, but uh, that's the story. We're glad you've been with us today. Hope you come back next week for more of your questions. Until then, you have a great week. <laughs>